host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me is my good buddy, Sean Shapiro. Sean, what's going on, man? Um, not much, not much. I was, I was, uh, I don't know the full history of it, but I was thinking about this before you and I hopped on. You know, the, uh, you know, like that whole, that Paul Rudd, like, look at us, Jif. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, well, like I feel like, uh, yeah. First like, off, it's a like gif. I, it's a gif. Yes. Don't say gif. <laughs> oh, I mean, cho- choosing moms choose Jif, right? Like yes. It's... Right. <laughs> well, what, what about it? It's from the, it's from Hot Ones. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's kind of, uh, it, it, I always kind of get a bit of that feeling when we hop on the podcast now. I mean, mm. but especially after a day like today when, uh, other parts of our respective work careers have crossed paths as well, and got to uh, edit some wonderful uh, Troy Terry content earlier. Just kind of like, look at us, man. It's, it's it's a good time. That's really nice. I feel the same way. The feeling's mutual. Although I was gonna say, I was gonna I was gonna intro you by saying the man who must be utterly sick of me by this point <laughs> because um, you have, you you're, you're tasked with making my writing look pretty. At AB ringside, sometimes I just I just jot down my thoughts without too much uh, second guessing, and then I just leave that for for the editors. So apologies if uh, if that is the case. But listen, it was listen, it was about Troy Terry. So I mean, how bad could it really be? I mean, it was pretty pretty fun topic. Um, I I will say though, I did a full block on Terry earlier this week here in the PDO cast, so I don't want to repeat yeah. that all over again. So we'll 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 save that. People can go to EP Ringside and and read my article or just re-listen to the Ducks podcast I did earlier this week. Let's talk about another topic near and dear to my heart that you wrote about recently as well and that is Rasmus Dali and how you you kind of framed your piece in terms of your conversation with him and everything from like I feel like a bit more of a sort of off the ice or or also yeah. on the ice but from like a fashion perspective and his personality and and all that and I I think it's certainly an important one because we often talk about how we wish NHL players were motivated and enabled and 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 allowed and or willing to show us more of that personality in, in any sort of form. And so the way you dress and all that is is certainly one way to do that. And so I don't, you you can discuss that if you want. I kind of want yeah. to talk about Rasmus Dahlin on the ice because I think yeah. you really see his personality there as well in terms of the way he plays. Yeah, I think Rasmus Dahlin is a. It, it's kind of funny because like I had to be a. Uh, the former stars beat writer for a little bit you had to be uh you got you got roped into being a, a darling ant ant in the anti-darling camp for a little bit because there was the uh, twitter battle lines drawn that you weren't allowed to appreciate both miro hashkin and, and rasmus darling in that rookie season it was uh you for to 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 serve your contingency well enough you had to for some reason take shots at the other guy and uh i'm glad that uh that was never something you wanted to do but it was uh by when people weren't voting for Miro and, and all of that stuff, it was uh, at the time, but Rasmus Dahlin is, is great for hockey. Rasmus Dahlin is, is fun. Rasmus Dahlin is fun on and off the ice. And uh, we'll talk about on the ice. We'll talk about on the ice too, but just off the ice. One thing I love about Rasmus Dahlin is he's very, I love his confidence in the way he talks about how this sport needs to get better. And that's kind of one of the reasons I had it. So I had a, lovely folks at EP ringside, I guess, lovely folks, myself included, we get to, uh, kind of gave me a little bit of space every other week now where I'm just going to kind of be allowed to just dive into some fun, random odds stories and calling it unnumbered thoughts. Just obviously a bit of a, I think Elliot Friedman's 32 thoughts, obviously Elliot kind of pioneered that format and that format's great. And, 
I'm, but not pretending to be Elliot. So a through whatever letter we get through each weekend. Um, I talked to Rasmus yesterday when Buffalo was in, was in Detroit and it's funny. I asked the Sabres PR woman, who's a one lovely lady asking her, um, asking her why, if I could get, uh, Rasmus and the, the retort that she's probably pretty good at now was, well, which one? Cause <laughs> well, there's only two know. of them now. There's only two of them down, now, down but three, it, yeah. down, down from three, but is it, I'm not sure if it's, uh, Rasmai or Rasmus's. I'm not really sure what the plural of Rasmus's is. is. Well, That's I don't know wonder- how many, I don't know how many people are asking for, uh, Rasmus Asplund media availability is maybe the true, true hockey Twitter nerd degenerates. But uh, but I'm sure not many uh many mainstream. Yes, that's yeah. yeah, that's fair, that's fair. But uh, so Rasmus uh, Dalin, um, we I love how confident he is about how he thinks hockey should be better and more personable off the ice. Um, last year when the uh, I believe it was it was either the last game or the last home game before Rick Jenner did his final game with Buffalo, um, he was actually kind of the player catalyst that helped uh get those the, the custom skate graphics on the uh onto the player skates for warm-ups where rick didn't know it was coming and it was uh kind of it was kind of cool and i and i've talked to the guys who have built that brand in buffalo before and he's worked with them and so i and rasmus kind of i could have asked him about that and a lot of times you ask a player about something cool and they're like, oh, yeah, I did that. And that's it. And that, that's kind of all they say. And they don't mm. really expand. And instead, he was willing to just, he kind of just took the conversation further. He talked about why it's, hey, he looks at the NBA. He looks at soccer. He looks at these other sports where he's watching the World Cup right now. And guys are encouraged to have flair. They're encouraged to have personality. And he just wants that in hockey. And he has no issue saying that. And I love that about Rasmus Dahlin. And you know what? It translates onto the ice. So good segue. <laughs> yes. Well, I, like I, I, first off, I can't stress enough, um, both how miserable everyone involved, but especially him, I feel like was during that shortened 2021 season before Ralph Kruger got fired, where they were, yeah. they were quite literally trying to dra- jam a square peg into a round hole stylistically, where they were a flawed team, certainly not, anyone not they didn't they weren't going to compete regardless i they had jack eichel and taylor hall at the time and and they before they traded brandon montour as well but the one thing they did have was a lot of very prolific skaters who could move up and down the ice and for whatever reason they decided oh we're gonna run literally the slowest paced offense in the league we're gonna try to get into the zone and get the puck deep and grind it out and cycle it and play that way and try to grind out these games as opposed to embracing this fun style where our core is all young guys who move up and down the ice really well and Darlene was just not suited for that and you could tell he was in his own head he was overthinking it and that's a big problem for a player whose best attribute is his physical talent right like his ability to skate his puck skills that flair the aggressiveness like all of that put into one package that's what made him so special that's what made him not only the number one overall pick in his draft, but one of the most coveted prospects we've ever had heading into the draft that year. And we didn't get to see any of that that season. And it was such a disappointing regression from him because, you know, he started off his his, his NHL career putting up a bunch of points his first two seasons, and it just went completely downhill in that year. And ever since Granado came in and took over, the best thing they've done is embrace exactly that. Just let 
Rasmus Dahlin be what makes him special. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to take some dumb penalties. He's going to get out of position. He's going to make turnovers, whatever. That's fine. That's what young players do. It's such a net positive though, because he's such an offensive engine for this team. And you're seeing that this year in terms of how special he can be. And in terms of how good this team can be offensively when he's playing that way. And so just as a fan of the sport, I'm really thankful that it didn't go too far. You know, I think talent will ultimately win out. But when you have a young player and you see that type of kind of regression in skills and you see bad habits developing, you always worry that it can go too far, right? Where their career can almost get ruined because some of their best years for learning and getting better are being wasted. And thankfully, it was a short period in his career and it seems to be in the past and he's back to doing what he does best. And so it's really fun to watch. and It's really cool. And I'm really happy it's happening. Yeah, it's uh, it's in too, too many. I'm glad the thing too many times a lot of times talent does win out but there are times where you get the supremely talented young offensive-minded defenseman who goes through that and just gets broken right like there's 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 been there's been examples get broken and they never and they never become what they could have been and that's the best the best thing is that the uh that didn't happen that the fact that i mean he was always a such a confident guy and it was never going to be, I don't think he was ever not going to have confidence in his game, but you could have had, you could have had his game broken more. He could have had things driven out of him that he didn't. And I am so happy as a hockey fan that that didn't happen, that Rasmus Dahlin was allowed to endure and be, and, and remain Rasmus Dahlin. And it's, Credit to Donato for being to to, to yep. Don for doing a good job of, of being of of helping kind of re resuscitate that. Mm-hmm. And also with how Buffalo has handled things and obviously it took a little while to get there. Credit to to Darlene for not getting caught up in some of the, so much of the other off ice stuff and kind of the ups and downs of that franchise. And I'm sure it can't and it's I know people like it can't be easy when that team's going through as tough time they are and you look up and there's 6,000 people there. Like, it's not like at the end, I know people want to say, oh, they're hockey players, but like you can look up and when the, when the building's pretty much empty and no one's caring, it starts to get draining. It gets, starts to get, it's people. uh, Apathy is, is worse. Like people, people booing is actually better than apathy because people booing, you're at least like, okay, people still care. With what what happened in Buffalo is basically an entire fan base just kind of decided like this isn't even worth our time and obviously COVID didn't help but it's- well I'm gonna say especially for a fan base that we've seen in terms of not only how they let's like the Bills are good now and how they embrace them but yes, also yeah. also like my interactions with Sabres fans online is that they're a very passionate bunch like they genuinely yes. care about their team and I don't blame them for that apathy when. The, the product you've been served for so long with so many deep-rooted internal just like issues keep cropping back up I I, I totally understand it you know that, that's a great point you make about kind of for a player like Dalin what makes him special is that kind of thing where he doesn't really think twice in a way right like he just gets yeah, up yeah. gets up and goes and he needs to be aggressive and that will lead to mistakes but if he starts second guessing that that's when he can really get into trouble. Cause you're basically stripping what makes him special. And I'm sure as he gets older, he'll not only get better at picking his spots, but, but you know, just 
with more experience in, in this league, he'll he'll make less of those mistakes and he'll kind of know exactly when he should be going and when not. But I'm totally fine with that. Like there was, I'm because I'm writing about him for our site yeah. next week as well. So I was watching all these shifts of his this year, and he had this play in a recent game against Carolina earlier in the year where it's this five one five shift in the offensive zone where he takes a shot from the point. And then they get the rebound. And I think Casey Middlestad or someone is like along the boards. And it looks like they're kind of in trouble because they're being pressured by, by a hurricane skater. And Dialene just bolts down into the corner, basically provides himself as a passing option for, for Middlestad. He gives it to him. They keep kind of cycling it around. He makes his way back up into the zone and then just skates right for the net and goes and posts up there and gets like a tap in opportunity to score as well. And the puck didn't go in, but it, it reflected that sort of instinct of his offensively where this is what the modern game is now. You need to have defensemen who are comfortable going down low and being near the net and trying to score. They can't just be hanging around at the point at all times because that's too predictable and too easy to defend. And so in him and in Owen Power, who's who's you know more reluctant sometimes and picks his spots already at this point of his career, which is what makes him so remarkable that he's a teenager basically playing this first full season and he already knows exactly what to do at all times, but seeing the way those guys play off of each other is so cool and so encouraging for me moving forward um, for the outlook of this team. Another thing about Dowling that I really like too, when you look at kind of the future of the game. And so he's, he, it's obviously he's, he understands that's his own game too, but him and I were talking and this didn't make it into the story. Cause we were just kind of more of just going back and forth and basically, um, and we, we started talking about, about Mo Sider and just kind of what I've seen in Detroit with, with Sider and obviously a guy who is supremely talented, young, exciting defenseman who was going through, even though he won the Calder last year, obviously it's it's a Detroit team in a rebuild. And Darlene just kind of gave me his like unfettered, just talking to me a little bit about just watching another young defenseman, hoping that he does what Rasmus does, where he hopes that he that he continue that he continues to play an exciting style of hockey that Mo Sider is allowed to be Mo Sider and it's kind of cool when you see a guy like that and it's kind of cool when you see a guy like Darlene looking at kind of the future of his position and knowing that he's part of the trendsetter but is not uh, it kind of wants to see that across the league too it just that was kind of a cool conversation to have with him as well just between just kind of in addition to some of the stuff I already wrote about with him, it was just kind of here to hear him talk about what he wants to see from most cider. And now he wants to see cider do a little bit of that. And to kind of hear him be a fan of another young offensive dynamic defenseman who's trying to take that next step. It was really fun, fun for me. Well, were you at, were you at that? Um, were you at the Sabres wings game or were you just at like the pregame skate? I had a beer league game last night where oh, okay. I, uh, there we go. so I, uh, I was, I was, I, I, so I ended up watching it last night, but I ended up watching the replay of it right. afterwards, but I had an, I had an important beer league game, uh, against <laughs> the, uh, we, the one team that is, uh, we'll call the, uh, the antagonist of the league, okay. who, uh, which we, uh, we beat, we beat them in a shootout. I, uh, made, I stacked the pads going right to left in the third round of the shootout and we won. So oh, we I, had impor- I, I had important things last night. <laughs> there we go. Nice, uh, nice little humble brag there. Um, yes. Oh yeah. So here's the thing, not to turn this into a full Sabres deep dive, but I did just want to make this point in this, in mm-hmm. conjunction with this conversation about Darlene. Yeah. They're, the Sabres are 10, 12 and one this season, right? They, they started off hot. They had that eight game losing streak. I think you can see a lot of the issues that are still in place, right? Like 
they give up a lot defensively. Their goaltending is still very hit or miss. That like there's details they need to iron out. But for me, what I keep coming back to that's so encouraging and it ties into to Dalian's performance is here are some of their numbers at five on five in terms of offense. They're seventh in goals, they're ninth in expected goals generated, and they're 11th in high danger chances generated. And to me, that's a team that has something legitimately in place already to build upon, right? I think the toughest thing in this league is finding these building blocks that can yeah, I create, that. create for themselves and others that can legitimately move the needle for your organization that, that are just like the, like the linchpins of everything, right? That everything runs through them. And those are typically the players who jet, who, who drive the bus offensively for you. And they have that in place already in this nucleus, both in terms of, you know, Tage Thompson and, Alex Tuck and JJ Paterka and Jack Quinn and then Dalian and Power, they have that in place. It's a lot easier to work on the details, to find, um, you know, kind of players on the margins that can improve your depth and limit the number of holes you have on 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 your in your lineup. And it's also an organization that has invested quite a bit in analytics the past couple of years in terms of their front office. And you'd think that that would be one thing they'd be well suited to actually fix in the coming years is finding some of these cheap undervalued depth pieces that can come in and improve, you know, the bottom six, the third pair, which is kind of where they're really struggling and drowning these days in terms of those minutes. And so if they can improve that, they already have the toughest thing in place. And so regardless of where the rest of the season goes for them, I've seen such encouraging signs in terms of like the offensive nucleus and infrastructure in place and the way they're playing under Granado that I think there's so much to build on moving forward. And it's not just, you know, kind of one of those jokes where they start out hot and then we're all running these, um, you know, magazine covers and headlines where it's like Sabres 2027 Stanley cup champions question mark. Like, yeah. I think there's something legitimately in place here where there's reason to be excited and it's not just a hope and a dream. And I think, I think there's a freedom too. We talk about the freedom with the players, but I think, I think, uh, I think Don coaching that team, I think he has a bit of freedom to know he has the security too not make the mistakes as a coach, but to allow his players to make mistakes. I think too often coaches, even when they've got young talent, I think too often they get into the mindset of they have to sacrifice the long-term greater goal for the short-term, can we win this game 2-1? Can we win this game 3-2 tonight? And I think I think we used with Don where he's been willing to live with it and go with that as a coach and – and everything like that. I, I think that that really can't, I don't think that can be ignored here. I think that's another thing too, just as far as from a coaching standpoint, the it's not like Darlene or anyone's going to make a mistake. And all of a sudden Don's going to be thinking, well, I've lost my job today. I think too many times you get coaches who coach that way right. and Buffalo doesn't have that, which is, which is vital. And I mean, how many coaches would have <laughs> most coaches lose eight games and all of a sudden they start getting, Right. It starts getting really. It starts getting really ugly, and it, it didn't get ugly. The style didn't get ugly. Obviously, eight losses is ugly, but the style yeah. didn't get ugly. Well, here's a stat for you. So Dalian and Power played together a bit at five on five because they had all these injuries on the blue line, and Matias Hamilton was out for a while, and so they just felt their best option was pairing those two guys up on the top pair, and then just you know punting basically every other minute and 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 that exposed a lot of the issues that they still have in place, which is the depth and having other players who can at least just you know, come out neutral in their minutes if they don't have their top players out there and, and they didn't have that. But when they've had at least one of those two guys on the ice at five on five this season, they're up 43 to 32 
without either of them on the ice, they're getting just massacred 20 to nine at five on five in terms of goals for and against. And so that really, that's, that's the stat, right? And I can see why, I can see why there's been all these rumblings about them being sort of a, a recent entrant into the, into the Jacob Chikrin sweepstakes and whether they'd be interested in, in trading for him. And I understand the natural reaction to that is, well, this team's going to miss the playoffs again. They have a sub 500 record. As I just mentioned, why would they be trading futures for, for any player? And, and I get that they're one of the few teams where I actually think it makes sense, depending on the price. Of course, I don't, if it's too outlandish, then it's not worth it. But to get a player who's 24, 25 years old under contract. So he fits in the timeline with all, all these other players. They have so many assets in terms of draft picks that they've taken the past couple of years and futures as well coming up that they can sacrifice some of them in a trade without necessarily bleeding themselves completely dry. And it fits a legitimate need. Now him, Darlene power and Samuelson are all left shots. So that's not ideal in terms of constructing a depth chart, but I can see why, they'd be interested in it. And so I'm, I'm all for it, you know, price permitting. I I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right shot, a right shot defenseman in this economy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, before we go to breaker, is there anything else on, on Dalian or the Sabres that, that you wanted to get to or anything related to this, I guess, before, cause we want to talk about the Kraken as yeah. well a bit, but I feel like we can probably save yeah. that for, uh, for the second. Yeah. Point. I think I think we I can I think we can save that for block too. I think I mean the the one thing that's just interesting from a Buffalo perspective, just and the long term plan will just be, you you're not gonna you need to figure out that you talk about having all the pieces. The one other big piece that will come up when it when eventually gets to the point of hey they're supposed to win a playoff round or two will be the goalie. So that mm-hmm. will be that that will be interesting because like Darlene and I like Craig Anderson had an assist yesterday. Oh, on yeah. the twenty on the twenty year anniversary of his NHL debut, mm. wow! Like, I mean, he's honestly uh, he's given them yeah. more than I yes. think anyone had any reason to expect. Oh, him to, right? <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. I Craig Anderson reminds me of. So I always think of Craig Anderson because, like, I remember I was in high school in two thousand seven or two thousand seven, two thousand six, two thousand seven. I was in high school and I was in Chicago for like this field trip thing and uh they had like there was like the blackhawks team store and like you know like sometimes they have like the used player equipment and there's a craig anderson like used blocker i remember i remember looking at it because like i was like looking at gear and all of that stuff and it's like like oh a craig anderson used blocker like i should have bought it because 14 he'd still be playing in the nhl 13 14 years later whatever it was but Good on uh, Craig. So. I, think, I, think, I, I thought that story was going to end with, and that Craig Anderson is still using that blocker to this day because that's just, <laughs> he bought it. He, he he went he went back to the store and bought it himself. <laughs> well, uh, and listen, like he should keep playing as long as he can play like this. He should play yeah. as long as he wants. Like the vibe that I get is like he was just like sitting at home, and then the Sabers were like, "Please, Craig, come back. We we need you yes, to play another yeah. year." And then he's like, "Yeah." All right, I'll do it for the kids. And he's just like yes. he's kind of just hanging out with the guys. They make him feel young yes. again. But it's uh no, it's I mean it's a good story and and, and I love yeah. Craig Anderson. But yeah, yeah, no, I mean listen with like Devin Levi, in, yeah, in college. I, I and we'll see about Eric Portillo's status as well. Like they have some interesting mm-hmm. pieces there. But yeah, I mean, if there's a thing that you want to have unclear, it's your future long term goalie because there's so few yeah. in this league that I would trust as anyone's future long term goalie. So who fair. knows? Put That's someone fair. in there yeah. and uh and see if he works out for you. Um, That's fair. All right, Sean, we're going to take a break here. uh, And then when we come back, we're going to keep talking about a variety of different topics. So looking forward to that. Uh, Everyone should stick around and and listen to that. And uh, and we'll be back here with more of the Hockey PDO guest on the Sportsnet Radio Network. 
Cast here, Dmitry Filipovich, joined by Sean Shapiro. Sean, so we talked about the Sabres in the first block. Do you want to? We should talk about the Kraken a little bit here because they were also in your piece, yeah. and you got to chat with uh, with Mark Giordano about them when they were in town in Detroit. There, but uh, you know, I I I kind of wanted to do like a full deep dive episode the other day, right after that nine eight game, just because I was like, it would be funny if I just if I did a full fifty minute show just like dissecting this game. But but I yeah. you know I couldn't find anyone that was. Uh, that was depraved enough to to do so with me. So we're going to talk about it a little bit here instead. Um, so where do you yeah. want to go with this cracking conversation? Well, we, well, why don't we start? We can we can start with the seventeen goal game just because it's fresh in my mind. Because John Rosen, who is uh, doing some, John Rosen is 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 covers the Kings now for the Forum Report and uh, has also so he texts and he I've always I've done some goal breakdowns in the past and John texted me the other day asked if I could help him out with some of the stuff just from the that game and so I went through and watched uh rewatched all 17 of those goals so they're all fresh in mind for me right now and uh it's uh yeah I I, I believe I could score high blocker right now for uh well, you know you know what's funny I um like I watched that for I watched that game in its entirety live because I'm out here yeah. on, on the west coast so it was at a reasonable hour for me but then I wanted to see because I go on on sports and I was like five minute recap sometimes just yeah, to yeah. do stuff after. And I was like, I'm very curious to see how they're going to ha- jam in these 17 goals into this five minute clip. Yes, and it was really yeah. funny because like they were so tight on time that they would they would like show the goal. But then instead of like doing the thing where it shows the goalie kind of looking sad after and getting up, like they were almost like like trimming each one. So like you'd see the puck go into the net and it would instantly go to like the next clip. Like they didn't have time to linger on any of them. My, uh, I was listening to, I listened to the audio the other day cause I had to do my, uh, good college friend of mine, actually Everett Fitz, he was the radio voice for Seattle. Oh yeah. And so good. And so Everett and I were, uh, at Bowling Green. He actually, fun fact, he actually at Bowling Green, he gave Andrew Hammond the uh, hamburger nickname actually. That's uh but so Everett, I, Everett, they post, he posted the audio of that. So I went back and listened to him calling all 17 goals in the audio clip, but it's just, it's, uh, it man, it's wild. Like it's it's something where uh, that game. I, I I love how uh, we're at a spot right now where we all just kind of accept it. Yeah, that was a game. Like like it used to, like if it had been for whatever reason we've moved past the spot where it's like there's been now sixteen think pieces that came out the next day of like his offense too high or whatever. Like I like that people were just like all right, Kraken and King scored seventeen goals. It yeah. happened. <laughs> well, I would say that Cal Peterson, especially in yeah. the aftermath, probably is is not as uh, as cool with it. But yes, yes. What I will say is that you saw a lot of like, listen, a nine game outburst, a nine goal outburst like that for for Seattle would be considered an aberration for any team, of course, regardless of how of much course. goal yeah, scoring is up, and yes. that's sort of like yeah, an anomaly in every sense. But beyond, I think there was like the one goal i forget whose it was it might have been sprongs where like he shot it and then cal peterson kind of popped it up into the air and didn't yeah, realize yeah, yeah. that it was still and then it yeah. popped in behind him and went in that one was like you know a truly unacceptable goal for the most part yeah. though a lot of them you could actually see how much improved this Kraken team is offensively in terms oh, yeah. of where those shots were coming from because a lot of them were like they'd get the puck behind the net and then someone would pop up 
in the slot and they'd quickly get it out to them for a really efficient shot, which we know is like one of the best things you can do offensively in today's game. Uh, you could also see Andre Burkowski, who's been remarkable for them this season. He's over a point a game. Um, scores the two goals, including the winner in overtime. I went back and watched his nine goals so far this season, and pretty much every single one of them has come from that exact same spot, right in the middle of the faceoff circle, basically, where he's one of the best finishers in the league, and they're doing a great job of designing these looks to get him the puck there. And so the personnel is better. The strategy and philosophy is a lot improved from last year, where they were basically just shooting as many point shots as they could and hoping for the best and not getting any results. And so... The nine goals is one thing, but like I think that really did give you a glimpse of why this team is so much more successful so far this season than they were in their inaugural year. Yeah, and the two other the two things that stood out for me too about the Kraken's offensive creation too is, and it's going to be overly cliched and everything like that, but like their forecheck they created though I think it was the um, might have been I mean there were so many goals, but one McCann I don't think he even technically I don't think McCann even got a point on this one. It's the one where. He has the the, the forecheck basically wipes the wipes out and then to use we want to be cocky coach speak he goes takes him out f two takes the puck f three scores right like but like I think the whole the way they they turned the forecheck into offense is impressive and then also in the uh, in the first it was the Everly was obviously I thought Everly was great in that game by the way but um, there was the uh, the other way you see just kind of the way Seattle. I think the way from the puck, I think it was the, I want to make sure I remember which goal it was properly. I think it was, I know if I remember correctly, Beneers was the first goal. I'm trying to like, what was it? It was, I don't know. There were nine of them to pick from. Yeah. Yeah. There was a ridiculous amount. The one where I uh, basically cracking up, Seattle has the puck. Seattle has the puck in the corner and basically it's the spinoff play. And then do Dowdy basically gets juked in the slot for the easy yep. tap in. And it's yep. and it was it was a play to me that just obviously it's pretty poor coverage by the Kings, but it's an ex, it's a kind of a good capturing of how Seattle moves away from the puck, how they go to space, how they do all of that. I thought it's like they're a good team. This was like obviously nine goals is an aberration, but they are a good team. They are they they create and they make space for each other. And they do a really good job of making life easier for their line mates. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing about the Seattle forward core from my perspective, watching them is you see, you see how they play. You see how when you're the puck carrier, it's easier because of what your teammates are doing and vice versa. Like that's, that's the mark of a good hockey team. And I think they're like, as I wrote in my, I wrote in my column this week where, where it's like, obviously this whole Shane Wright thing is definitely a big story, but I think it's taking away from how good this Seattle team is. It's taking attention away from what we really should be talking more about is what this Kraken team is. And also, I mean, there's also a little bit of a unfair bar that Vegas set because people will be like, Oh, it's second, like, like the second year expansion. Well, this is an incredible second year expansion team. Well, yeah. And, and, and what I was saying at the time, this was all happening coming to a head in terms of why isn't Shane Wright playing and you, and you, and, People would say, well, uh, this team struggled so much offensively last year. Like, how can they not find a spot for him? And then you actually look at their offensive, their forward group this season with the additions they made this offseason. And it's like, well, they're actually pretty deep in terms of like, yeah, Yeah. he's he's gonna, you know, you could probably jam in a slot for him on the fourth line. But beyond that, like, whose spot is he taking? in this top nine it's it's one thing to to just suggest it it's like all right well let's tangibly pick someone and 
not that they have any real superstars. I think Maddie Beniers can certainly get there, but they have a lot of really good NHL players, right? And so it's it's really tough to justify bumping one of them down or taking them out of the lineup entirely just to just to force feed a young player because you took him high in the draft. So it was a very tricky spot. It's cool to see right go to the AHL and produce and still very high and optimistic on his future. But like this forward group is is, is pretty good. I'm not expecting them to necessarily keep this up, right? I think only the Devils score more than them at five on five. I believe no one scores more than them across all situations. I think that's a bit aggressive in terms of a future projection or expectation from them. And a lot of it is fueled by the fact that they're first in shooting percentage in both Mm -hmm. game states. And so that's probably not going to continue, but I think there's a lot to like here and they're certainly playing in a much more conducive way to at least being average or slightly above average offensively. And considering how good they already were defensively last year in terms of taking away that space, basically doing the opposite of what they're doing now offensively, how good they are at that, as long as they can get reasonable goaltending and not just get completely caved in, which to me is the biggest question of all here, as as good as Martin Jones was prior to that game, I think still it's, it's a big worry for me moving forward. But if they can make life easier for him and then keep producing this way, like they're going to be feisty all year. I, I think, I think it's pretty legit. No, yeah, and it's and it's a team too that I think it's like I was. This is actually something kind of to connect. Like I talked to Mark Giordano, um, and obviously yeah, he, he was, he's probably like, "Where was this last year?" Jeez. Yes, yes. Like he's and he's the. It's 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 amazing to think that a second year franchise has an ex captain just because he was. I I still like. It's funny. Like he obviously looks at it. It's it's an honor to be someone who was a captain of two different NHL franchises, but. It, from a Seattle perspective, did you really need to name a captain of a guy you probably were planning on trading the entire time? But that's that's another whole discussion. Um, but I mean, Jared he Giordano talked about one thing he said that's kind of that was interesting to me, that's kind of stuck with me about the setup in Seattle. And he talked about kind of the way they're the way they're gonna play on the ice combined with the support and kind of the feeling around there. He used the word. It's going to become one of the best, like most desirable places for players to go play and player. It's, it's, it's easy. Like how often, how many times do we hear that players always say something nice about where they were before. And, but to me, the truth of that coming from Giordano is more. So when I look at the evidence, like we're talking about where if you're a if you're a player and you're looking at your options in the future and you're looking at how Seattle plays and they look at, and you look at how you make how your team's play makes your life easier with and without the puck and how you do that. Like it's, it's not wrong. Like it actually has all of that kind of bubbling in the right direction where this isn't just a, Hey, they're good this year. This is a, you're good. And you start rolling into year three and four and five. Like it's, it's, I, I see a lot going in the right direction for this. And maybe that's just the benefit. And maybe, and maybe we saw it with Vegas. Maybe that's just the benefit of being, of getting a blank slate in this era. Maybe, maybe that is like how many teams, how many GMs, how many ownership groups would, not ownership groups, but how many GMs do you think would say, like, oh, I, I'd take a blank slate just to, to start over knowing I wouldn't get fired in year one, knowing right. I wouldn't get fired in year one. Like I bet a lot would. And I think that may just be kind of, and we're not going to see another expansion team for a while. I mean, but that may just be the reality of they got to avoid, got to avoid a lot of the mistakes 
that other GMs have to work their way out of. How many times do you like, I mean, it's like, we always, it's funny how we've kind of polished a turd to look better in Minnesota where people are like, Oh, well, look at all this cap space. That's going to open up in a couple of years when the cap goes up. Well, it's because of how bad some, some horrible yeah. decisions that they signed off on before. So, yeah. Oh, that'd be, that'd be a great exercise. Get some, uh, give tr- truth serum to all 32 yeah. GMs and then ask them if you could just, if you could just completely get rid of every single player that you currently have right now and just start from scratch, would you do it? And yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think, I think, uh, probably a surprisingly high number of them would be like, yes, please sign me up. Um, yes. Yes. yeah, it, it, it is cool. Like I, I think the fact that they have, in my opinion, such a aesthetically pleasing, jersey combination that their broadcast is as good as it is that the fans are as lively as they are in these home games that they play like i think it is cool to finally see finally after a year and a half not to, not that it's yeah, yeah. such a yeah. long wait right but it's it is cool to see the the product on the ice actually match up with all of these other things that the organization has done well early in its uh nhl stage so yeah i'm i'm all for it like the longer that this lasts the uh the better it is. And I'm also all for these wacky late Pacific time games as well, because I'm up watching them and I love seeing yeah. people waking up in the morning and looking at the scores and being like, Oh my God, what, what on earth happened last night? So that's always fun. My, uh, it's, I was looking at, I was, cause I'm usually up pretty early. Cause I got the little, I got the little guy who's just recently turned two. And so I was, I actually, some of those uh, late West Coast games have become, I've been able to just kind of watch the third period, like early the next day, where I like I haven't, I've, I've intentionally not checked the score. And so it kind of becomes wacky early morning stuff. And so that's actually how I came across the score of this, this game. Um, my wife came downstairs and me and my son were watching the game and she's, and she's, and she stopped and she's like, well, what sport are you watching? She just saw the scoreboard. She says, like, wait, are you actually watching a hockey game right now? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Um, all right. Well, is there anything else on on Seattle you want to get to? We got like ten minutes here. Um, you know, the the Dalian and the Kraken stuff were kind of like my two big topics I wanted to hit with here, but we can just use the rest of the show to just talk about whatever's uh whatever's interesting to us these days. Uh, yeah, let's let's go that. I mean, I'm not, yeah, I'm I'm pretty who do you, good with who, that. Who are you yeah. who are you who are you planning and on who do you want to get? that's in town next in, in Detroit that you really want to, you really want to talk to or chat with, because you mentioned that you, you've got yeah. these, this recurring piece that you're going to have up on early prospects uh, every two weeks. Now yeah. it's going to be kind of like a notebook piece where you yeah. unleash some nuggets that you've, uh, that you've accrued in your conversations with people. Who do you, who do you really want to get? Who do you want to talk to? What's, what's interesting to you? Yeah. So I'm pulling up the schedule now to make sure I have this all fresh in my mind. I know it's to me, um, there's a, uh, now I'm always a bit of a of a goalie nerd. That's just a, a reality of it. I'm so I'm really hoping that uh, I'm really hoping Logan Thompson doesn't have a weird I don't talk on game day policy mm. on, on Saturday because Vegas comes here on Saturday. So I'm really I'm really hope because he's uh, I think that's that's obviously such a great story with him in Vegas and to see where that's gone. Um, the uh, another just kind of just a side note just just speaking on the goal to anything just to slightly tease something that i've got coming on the sub stack tomorrow i talked to uh i had a lovely lengthy conversation and it kind of connects to seattle with uh magnus helberg yesterday who's a super interesting dude who's been in seattle detroit and ottawa and uh i'll have more in this story tomorrow but basically 
I wanted to talk to him because he's got the great pads, right? Like it's the whole like all the sets, and I've talked to the I've talked to the guys from Brian's about his pads and everything like that. But uh, he and his fiance have been moving around the country right now, just with uh, a dog that they adopted off the streets of Shanghai when he was playing in the KHL. And it's like <laughs> that's that's a. Uh, but that's that's a quick tangent. I'm yeah. Gonna, yeah. Pub 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 shap shots. Go to the Substack. I love that. Well, you, love. you had a little <laughs> you had a, a little nugget in in that piece about speaking of goalies about Anton Hudobin. Yeah. And I really really hope selfishly that he is back in our lives at some point here. Maybe 100%. he can uh, maybe he can come and uh, and co-host this podcast with us at the very least. Like I feel like let's just get him involved. I want to hear more from more from Hudobin. Yeah, he's. Uh... Obviously, I know quite a bit about that situation being the Dallas connections. And he's uh I I, I mention it just because with we'll see what happens with the Peterson thing and we'll see what happens with LA. But like he's got a one-year deal. Like I know it's it's a not a very it's it's an unattractive 3.33 million dollar cap hit. It's gonna be it's hard. Wherever and this Dallas can't really Dallas doesn't really have Dallas waived him really have the cap space to do much retaining anyway to make it work. So it's gonna take another team. But if you can do the gym, get the cap gymnastics done and you can bring him in, it would be it's one of those where we talk about fun for hockey, fun for all of us. It would be fun to have Hampton Hudobin back in the NHL space, the NHL world from a style standpoint, a personality standpoint. I mean, as you said, maybe we should uh, we should get him on the PDO cast. That would be a does that does that um that bubble playoff run? Just the entirety of it feel like such like a like a fever dream to you at this point. I don't know. I don't know if it feels like that for you, but yes. for me, it's just like it almost seems like it was another lifetime ago. And then sometimes when I'm thinking about some of these like stats that I'm looking at or 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 you know year over year things, and yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, 2020. All right, like like how? Oh wait, that was like two years ago. Like what? And it's just it's like it's always two kind of ago. mind blowing yeah. to just think about how much has happened since then and how in the grand scheme of things, though, though that two year window is so short, but so much has changed and that this is speaking of Anton Hudobin, that's like probably yeah. the the biggest example of that, where this guy is just basically like in the AHL hoping for another chance to play in the league. And he was like the biggest rock star in the NHL for that yeah. two month period. Yeah, he was beloved and everything. Like, you know, it's it's only it was only two years ago, believe it or not. That's the thing that I, I always that's that always surprises me. Like, I feel I feel like that's always that must be wrong. There's no way that's right. But somehow we've all lived like five lifetimes since the bubble in Edmonton and Toronto. Like, we've all, but it's yeah. I don't. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I would. I would. I would. Yeah. I would love to see him. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think here about other stuff. I mean, have you? Okay, here's a here's a topic for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Have you talked to Philip Hronick at all about the power of his mustache? Because his speaking of uh, speaking of like, splits of like with and without with, Philip Hronick with and without ridiculously cool mustache is about as big of an extreme of two players offensively as you're gonna find. Um. So I broke Philip Hronick's streak. Philip Hronick had gone a thousand days without talking to media. Really? He he had, speaking of two years, he had Was he that had, something he was doing intentionally? Well, clearly he knew the numbers, so <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he had gone a thousand days without talking to media between 
So like when when NHL locker rooms reopened and everything like that, obviously some players were less thrilled than others. Philip Ronick is someone who, uh, it's not that he's 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 just he likes to keep to himself. He wants to be by himself, and he was quite proud of the fact he had gone so long. I made the mistake of. I didn't know that this streak was going. I didn't, I didn't know that he was trying to keep the streak going for so long. And uh, so, and I was just trying to, I'm still obviously newer to red time spawn the Red Wings coverage. I've been trying to talk to some guy to talk to some, to talk to more players, everything like that. And so not even thinking that I'm stepping on the line of breaking up Cal Ripken style, Iron Man streak. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, I I talked to him and we had like a quick minute and a half conversation and everything he was it was fine but it was uh I uh the Ken Dan um Ken Daniels the play by play guy for the Red Wings yeah. who is uh speaking of which just I'll give him a quick plug he uh, he had a, an event today um if you want to support something uh, look up the Jamie Daniels Foundation he's doing a lot of really good things and in memoriam for his son who obviously um, passed away from unfortunate circumstances. And so he's uh check that out, but Ken uh, went out of my, went out of his way to remind me that I was the one that broke the streak because he had been rooting for Phil to, uh, to, to kind of, to push, to push, to reach 2k. So that was, uh, so now someone else would have broken it before, but I'm, I'm the one who broke Philip Ronick's talking to the media streak. The, uh, the, the mustache though is it's, it's an impressive stash. It's and it was an impressive month. Um, David Perron told me it was an ugly mustache, so that's oh, uh, what a hater. Yeah, get out I think, of here, I think David it's, Perron. I, I think it's jealousy. Clearly, yes. jealousy. I mean, it was incredibly cool and uh, obscenely productive. So mm-hmm. um, can't can't really hate on that in that regard. And yeah, I, I, I like Philip Perron as a player, so it was cool to see that. I, I had no idea about the streak. I wonder how our, <laughs> how our pal uh, Max Boltman feels about this. I uh, I gotta ask him. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Well, Sean, this is a blast. I'm glad we got to do this. Um, in the meantime, but while we work on getting Anton Hudobin to join us on the yes, podcast, yes. Uh, which is something we're going to do, I'll uh, I'll give you a chance here to to plug some of that stuff in terms of where people can check you out. And yep. you've mentioned in passing some stuff that you have worked on and some stuff you are going to be working on, so you can let the listeners know about all that as well. Yeah, for sure. So I've got the I've been I'm in various places now. I'm here, obviously, here at EP Rinkside. I'm at, I'm at EP Rinkside, where we're, we're both both of our writing can be found. Obviously, I've got some stuff there. Um, I had uh, actually had a pretty good I've had a pretty good conversation with um, Rick Bonus today, actually, about Blake Wheeler and the full captaincy taking away in Winnipeg and kind of a two month post op of how that's gone. So I'll probably, I'm going to have something on that uh, up at EP Rinkside sometime within the next three to four days probably um the also as i said to I'm plug the sub stack again got the gonna go write some nice things about the pad god magnus helberg give give him some love and tell some of the stories about him and uh yeah and then and then kind of outside of that just kind of keeping our eyes and ears open on stuff i'm interested to see vegas um on saturday that's a team that just i think it's been it's uh, it's good to see 
Like I, I like watching these teams that are kind of like, are they are they good? Aren't they good? Which you have in Detroit, and to kind of see actual good teams come in and see right. how they test themselves from time to time. So I, I always like those matchups because those those are for me just measuring sticks to watch and and see where it goes and. Yeah, especially a team that's so well structured, where you'll quickly find out if the team you're wondering about how good they are, you'll quickly find out because a team as well structured and and as precise as Vegas when they're on, you know, they can have their yes, offense yeah, themselves yeah. as well. But if they're on, they're gonna just feast on that right away, and it'll become very visibly clear immediately. So that uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, yes, yeah, it's funny you mentioned Rick I had a I had a listener message me yesterday, and they're like. The Winnipeg Jets are leading the central division in point percentage. Can we get a deep dive on them? I know you hate Rick Bonus, but could you could you do it anyways? And I'm like, I do not hate Rick Bonus. I I hate what he did to our beloved Dallas Stars for a couple of years there. I will I will definitely admit to that. I'm on the record. I I, I despise I hate watch them a lot and I despise what they became. And I blame Rick Bonus for that, but I have to give him credit. The Winnipeg Jets have been good. They just smoked the Colorado Avalanche in a recent game, and yeah, maybe we need to uh, maybe we need to give them some more time here in the PDO cast and and dive into them just to prove that I I do not hate Rick Bonus. Yeah, well, Rick's a lovely human, yes. but I also I also have disagreed. I can also disagree with his uh, coaching <laughs> decisions as well. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sean. Well, this is a blast. We're going to definitely do this again soon. Um, thank you to the listeners for checking out the PDO cast. As always, if you enjoyed what you heard. You can help us out by smashing that five-star button wherever you listen to the show. We'll be back tomorrow with more. I, I believe I'm having Harmon Dial on. We're going to be hanging out in studio, chatting about a variety of fun things. So look forward to that. And uh, and we'll be back. So yeah, thank you for listening to the Hockey PDO cast streaming on the Sportsnet Radio Network.